Are you looking to modernize your veterinary practice by offering virtual care to pet owners? Fortunately, there's an easy solution from the podcast sponsor, Medici. That's M-E-D-I-C-I. Medici is a telehealth solution built for veterinarians. I've made it easy to check out Medici with a link in the show notes, or you can head over to their website, medici.md, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. Hi, this is Dr. Aaron Smiley, and I've offered telemedicine to my clients since I started. In 2017, I integrated paid telemedicine with Medici. Medici lets you text, call, and video chat with clients with their easy-to-use app. Send or receive images and videos of pets, stay VCPR compliant, and get paid, which is always a wonderful thing, for delivering convenient care right from your phone. Ready to go virtual? Visit Medici.md, that's M-E-D-I-C-I dot M-D, or call 512-967-6454 to learn more. And with that, here's the show. Welcome to the Veterinarian Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Thompson, president of Insight Marketing Group, and has 20 years of experience in marketing and business development from startup businesses all the way up to uh, Fortune 500 companies where she served as a marketing director. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Isaiah. Looking forward to it. And I think marketing is always a a tricky conversation. Um, When I go out and have conversations with veterinarians, it's never something that is really top of mind or they feel um, really, really confident in. Uh, so I think this will be a great conversation for them. And I know that you'd mentioned there's a big difference between on and in in regards to marketing. Can you explain really what that means, the difference between on and in marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So I hear about it all the time. With um, So I work with independent physician groups. I've never worked directly with vets but I think the concepts here apply very, very much the same. So I may like interchange some terminology, but the concepts are, are very much universal. So a lot of times I'll have doctors come to me and say, you know, I don't need to do any marketing. I certainly don't need to be, you know, I don't need anyone to do my social media for me. I'm already on social media. And there's a big difference out there between being on social media and being in social media. And it it kind of pertains to just general marketing, you know, across the board. Back in the day, when it came to social media, you could create um, a system of posts. We call them evergreen posts. So evergreen content, that means that the leaves never fall off the tree. It doesn't matter what day of the week or what season of the year, it's always going to be relevant content. Meaning, you know, your your practice is always going to be open, let's say Saturday and Sunday are your, your pet walk-in days that you're going to say you don't need an appointment. You can just walk into the center. That's evergreen content because it doesn't change. You get it out there. You know, it happens. There's not a lot of engagement, things of that nature, but it's good. You've got like regular content being put out into the public to keep your brand top of mind. That doesn't work anymore. Facebook um, has, has completely changed because Facebook's where most of the practices that we work with are, because that's where the audiences are, the decision makers. Um, And, there's too many people on social media. There's it's more, it's harder to get impressions. It's harder to get people to see. The algorithms have changed, and so if now all you do is is create evergreen content, put it into a scheduling software, and say, "Hey, I'm on social media. I'm good to go." Hey, doc, that doesn't work anymore. You now need to be inside of it. You need to be posting what we refer to as 
in the moment social. You need to be building trust and authority with those potential audiences. You need to be responding to those comments that people are leaving. If somebody leaves you a review um, on, on, on Facebook in particular, you can either accept online reviews or you don't accept online reviews. You don't have the choice of I'll accept this one or that one. And so you need to have you need to have those reviews on. You need to be responding when people are leaving comments or are giving you feedback. And you need to be out there in those different community groups, whether it's next door, um, Facebook neighborhood groups, you know, the, the local, the Reddit blog that's about your neighborhood, because people are going to move into an area and they're going to say, hey, I need um, I need a vet for my dog. I've got a new puppy. What, what do you recommend? And it's that audience out there that's going to be participating. So marketing now is much more participatory, whereas in, before it was a lot more passive. And so I think it's just a difference in kind of your mindset of being on social media versus being in social media. If you want to be successful, you've got to roll up your sleeves and yeah, I love the the idea of, of being connected across the, the community and, and just thinking very personally, I have my best friend is moving from Indianapolis to Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, I even told him like, hey, if you need a, a good veterinarian, I'll reach out to some people I know in the area and make sure we get you connected. But for most people, yeah, they're going to go online and, and try to figure out who who do I need? I need a new, you know, barber. I need this and that. Like they're new to an area in that kind of leads to the next question, which we talked about, you know, you just mentioned online reviews are the ultimate storyteller. And it seems weird. And I know that a lot of veterinarians would be like, are people really choosing me the same way that they're going to go on Yelp and choose a restaurant or, or choose someone else? But you kind of think it's the same way because that's how we use social proof or, or reviews to, to find the, those partners. Can you touch on that a little bit and explain? Absolutely, because your reviews that are being left left about your about your practice that is how people are judging your practice and making that decision of whether they're going to choose you as a provider or not um even in the medical you know in the people medical side of things you know even even a cardiologist which is typically not somebody you would choose off the street if you get a recommendation from a pcp that you need to go to a cardiologist and they say go see dr jones well even before, you know, depending like specifically for like certain age groups, you know, my, my grandmother may not have been like this, but my mother is still going to be this. She's going to go online, even with a recommendation in hand, she's going to look up that cardiologist. And if there are negative reviews, she's going to walk into that office with a chip on her shoulder because she's going to remember those negative reviews. And so it's the same thing, like go back to the Facebook analogy or your friend moving to Atlanta, you know, yeah, your friend's kind of getting a referral or a recommendation from you, but then they, they might actually go online and, and look up that practice or look up that vet. And if there's negative stuff out there and that hasn't been responded to, um, the story's already kind of told in their mind. And so we always, always lean into those positive patient stories. So, you know, when it comes to a vet, vet if you have a healthy animal and the animal is happy-go-lucky and they had a good experience, those mommy and daddies out there, those pet mommy and daddies are going to to tell that story for you using social media, using online reviews. And so at the end of the day, if you can tell your story through the stories of your patients, that is the goldmine because you you treat your people well, you treat your patients well, they will treat you well and they will be your best word of mouth and, and referral marketing that you 
ever could pay for. What about the the concept or strategies that you've seen be successful or not successful? I know a lot of different clinics or hospitals will try to run like a promotion where maybe there's some sort of benefit for a, a client that would leave a review or or do something positive. Do you see that working? Is that something good to do? Is it something bad to do? Is there any words of wisdom or caution there? Yeah. Back in the day, I would say, sure, do something like that. But in the last few years, I would never do it. You don't want to, you don't want to have the perception out there be that you're paying for reviews. If you're trying to get, I, I, I'm of the mindset that you should ask every single patient to leave your review and that you should do whatever you can to automate the system. So you're not um, selectively choosing one over the other. Um, at every level for every business, I'm of the mindset that you should focus on the root of any problem and not necessarily try to cover up the problem. And a couple of years ago, I had a bunch of doctors that would always come to me and say, look, Jen, you've got to get rid of these like two-star reviews on the homepage of Google. And I would say, well, doc, you've got to go deal with the problem at your front desk because I can't just get rid of a perpetual issue. We have to get to the root of it. And I think I think that paying somebody or incentivizing someone to leave you a positive review opens up a can of worms that you just don't want to open up. So focus on the root of whatever those problems are. Automate anything and everything that you can automate so that you're not having to select who you're asking or you're not putting your staff in, in kind of that position. And if you want to do something fun, that will that will get more encouragement and engagement and get people more active in that process than do something like a photo contest or a pet video contest or something that creates excitement, but don't do it around getting people to leave positive reviews. Yeah. And I would, I would agree because you know, you, you will get some weird reviews that don't sound overly genuine if you're kind of incentivize them or they're going to be short, where if you have something that truly is passionate about what you've done for them and helped them out and, and done something maybe different than any other veterinarian has done in the past, they're going to let people know. And that's what you want to harness. But can you give some examples? You talked about automation. And again, I, I wanted to have this conversation we talked prior to recording around tactics. I know that's something that you're really, really good at in, in helping people understand. How would you, what would be an example of automating that? Is it a follow-up email? Is it just reaching back out to them? Is it giving everyone some sort of card when they leave? Do you have any examples of how you would automate getting reviews? Absolutely. It's it's all of the above. Now, for my clients, and I'm sure it's the same in the veterinary world, for my clients, I use a third-party technology solution where I get a list of patients the day um, those patients come. It's a secure file transfer over into like a, like a Dropbox file that's secure. Then the automation grabs those patients and it sends everybody an automated text message and everybody gets asked to leave a positive review or a negative review. Just leave us a review. That way there's no selection of that. It's just all the patient list and you pay one fee per month and it's handled for you. And there's, there's probably dozens and dozens of services out there and, and there's probably like a budget for anybody and everybody that wants to do it. But if you want to go old school, which there's nothing wrong with old school and a lot of people do it, you could, you know, put some signage up at your, at your office, asking people to leave you a review. I think a card in your lab coat is a, a very easy way. You have somebody that has a decent experience. You can hand them the card put it on all of your marketing material, asking for those kind of reviews and things of that nature. One thing um, that we do with the practices that we work with, 
So we'll have the automated system that everybody receives a text message the day after their appointment asking for some feedback. Um, and that's great. Everybody gets it. But if you have somebody that's sitting in the waiting room and they've been sitting in there a while and they're kind of annoyed, you don't want to encourage them to kind of sit on that negative experience until they get that text message because you never know how they're going to be feeling that day. So we always try to on the websites have like the name of the practice backslash feedback. And we'll put signage up throughout the practice that talks about, hey, if you're sitting here and you want to give us any kind of feedback, good or bad, here's how you can do it. And so um, every day we'll get a couple of feedbacks, both positive and negative for each of the practices, especially the busier ones where people will, while they're sitting there on their phone, go to the feedback page and say, hey, I've been sitting here for two hours. That might automatically go to somebody in operations who then has the opportunity to walk out and address the issue. And so doing that helps you prevent negative reviews from going online because nine times out of 10, people just want to be heard. And even if it's negative, they just want to know that you took the time to listen and to address a complaint. So if you can prevent things from getting out into the public, that's one of the best tactics that I can offer you. So yeah, cards, signage, uh, smoke signals, put it in your email signature, but really the best thing, pennies on the dollar, get some kind of automated service so that you don't have to worry about it. And then you can worry about taking care of your patients. Absolutely. And I love the idea of getting back the the negative there so you can have a conversation or even, you know, just make a quick apology. Like you said, let them be heard. And we know that everyone has their phone basically glued to their hand. So if you're sending a text message, you're likely going to see better engagement than the email that could be sent and they might not see it for a week or so. And they're not, even, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that was a while ago. I'm not going to leave a review or, you know, the day has gotten away or that whole experience has gotten away from them. So I, I like the idea of the automated text piece. A lot of people are doing that for appointment reminders. Anyways, you know, clients are used to seeing that. So it makes complete sense to me. Um, another thing that I've continued to hear and, and part of the reason why I do this podcast is the growth of audio and video for the future of marketing. How important is video in marketing today and how would you recommend someone starting to utilize that and, and use social media with video content to grow their brand exposure, but also just connect more with their, their clients? I think that there's, um, there's not much more that you can invest in that would have such a positive return on investment as video would. And it's not expensive anymore. It's just, you want to be strategic in the way that you go about it. We, um, so we've been working with medical practices since 2008 exclusively, and I have a, a great team and they've been with me forever. Our um, office is actually inside of a really large orthopedic practice. And so we'll often get called to go and do videos um, of patients, like quick patient testimonials. And we'll go in there and the Corey, the, um, who does a lot of our video, he'll sit down with the patient and he's like BSing with them and he'll have, you know, the camera on. He'll look like he's messing around with the camera and he actually has it on record because that's how you can really get people to kind of like drop any walls as you're just having a conversation. And he'll be like, hey, how did you find out about the practice? Like what brought you here for Dr. Smith? And um, so many times the patient will say, I saw a video of Dr. Smith on YouTube or on Facebook and, you know, I got a recommendation. I it looked like he had some good stars, but then I wanted to check him out. So I watched his getting to know you video and I immediately felt a connection and that's why I scheduled my appointment or that's why I chose to have my surgery here. 
And so if you fast forward the last couple of years, you know, yeah, our cameras are thousands and thousands of dollars, but the camera that you have in your phone, like in your pocket on your phone produces some darn good quality content. And so like we're film, like we're recording this right now during COVID-19 and the pandemic. And I like, I'm still at us. I still have a stay at home home order. Looks like we'll be getting out next week, but every practice that I'm working with is going to start elective surgery um, again, starting on Monday. And so we're trying to figure out what's the best way to prepare our patients for what they're going to walk into for their next appointment. And a thousand percent it's video. Well, we don't have the capacity right now. And legally we can't go into those practices and record that video and we could never turn it around fast if we do. So our practices right now are doing videos on their cell phones. We say, put it in landscape mode, do a quick time-lapse video, or just do videos showing us what this appointment is going to look like from a patient perspective. So that way, when a patient walks in and they're expected to have their temperature checked, they're already going to know about that because they saw the video. And if everybody is wearing gloves and a mask, they're already going to know about that because they saw the video. And so using video to tell that story is the best return on investment you can ever get because you've got the camera in your pocket. Editing is relatively inexpensive and a little bit of creativity and you can start standing out in the crowd of a very crowded field. And in veterinary science, in, for vets, people love their animals. I can't think of a better way to start marketing a practice than taking pictures and videos of cute, cuddly animals and putting them out there for people to start talking about. Yeah. And also just with the, the adjustments and changes that, that clinics and hospitals have had where, you know, they're maybe picking up pets uh, at the, the curbside and the, the, the person's not even coming into the practice, just showing them what that looks like or what the process is and, and talking about, we're going to jump into telemedicine here soon where, you know, there was engagement prior to COVID that, you know, there were clinics and hospitals starting to do telemedicine and seeing more engagement. And it was kind of uh, what I would call maybe more cutting edge or it's been the, the hot button topic for for a while where now people are forced to do it so even creating a video how to use telemedicine or how the experience is and just showing how easy it is if you have an app or have some way to do it showing them this is an easy way and it's also really cost effective and we can still interact with you if you're concerned about you know bringing in your pet right now or you can't leave home for various reasons this is an easy way that we can still engage and make sure that your pet is healthy and safe and if there's issues you're hearing from the experts and you're not going to Dr. Gould to try to figure out what's going on. Um, how do you see, you know, continuing to utilize, I guess, video and, and let's talk about telemedicine and get engagement where right now people are maybe forced to do that. But then once we go back to, and who knows what the new normal will be, but how do you continue to have engagement utilizing telemedicine after the crisis? How would you try to utilize, um, I guess, you know, marketing efforts around that? COVID-19 has forced so many providers to find a solution. And that solution has been to provide a telemedicine option. Consumers are now going to demand a telemedicine option. I was having a walk, um, socially distancing a walk with one of my neighbors this morning. I was on one side of the street. She was on the other. We hadn't seen each other in a while. So we kind of converged on the path and she had her dog with her. And um, she was saying that she had um, done a telemedicine appointment with her, with her son, and it was so easy. 
and she will never go back to having to take him to the doctor. It's not, it's no longer an option for her as a busy professional side note on that. She, she had her dog with her and she told me that, um, he is a therapy dog at Orlando health. He was recruited and trained to be a therapy dog. So he's one of the dogs now that they're taking around to the hospital to help with patients and to help with um, really more with staff and, and calming nerves. And it, it was just, it was kind of fun that that whole thing came together. But I think that telemedicine is really going to be driven from a consumer standpoint and hopefully the regulatory environment will catch up. You know, how do you market telemedicine? Um, one of the toughest things as it relates to telemedicine is that from a user standpoint is that a lot of times the people who really need um, to go to their provider they really don't know how to use telemedicine. They're, you know, they might be using a Dell computer from 2010 that has the mouse like in the middle of the screen still, or it doesn't have a webcam, or they don't know how to reset their Apple password to download the app to make a telemedicine appointment seamless. And so I think we have to, you know, go back to kind of patient readiness. We have to teach patients how we want them to experience whatever it is that we're providing. So we have to make it super simple. And I think that. Going back to video, going back to social media, use video, use social media to start teaching our patients that telemedicine is an option. And for a vet, I would lean into the bloopers because people love comedy. Like they want to laugh, especially right now. Lean into the mishaps, create your own telemedicine video. There's no reason you can't. I had a 65, 67 year old retired army um, army like captain who is a hand surgeon last week with his wife who is retired create their own telemedicine video because he was seeing patients and they got the patient's permission and created it sent us the video and we we put it up and it's already got a couple thousand views so if they can do it any of these practices can and i bet you from a telemedicine standpoint there are some great bloopers have fun with them get permission to use them and have fun with them and that will that will that will pay you back hand over fist in the amount of energy that you put into it. Yeah, I love that idea. And you're right. There needs to be some levity in this situation and people are looking for a laugh and also kind of that that human connection where we know that, you know, life isn't perfect and life right now is messy and it is different than than how it has been in the past. So I think showing that and, and being able to provide advice and guidance on how to utilize the tools as the you know environment continues to evolve is really, really important. Uh, switching gears a little bit, we talked about earlier, you mentioned it, that automated social media is dead and you talked about on and in. Is there anything else on the automated social media thing that you would like to to touch on a little bit more and, and why that is so dangerous and maybe examples of people that have continued to do it and what has happened or those that have switched off and maybe seen more engagement if they are being more natural in how they're engaging with social media? Well, yeah, and I can, I can use just my experience um, most recently. So when when Actually, I won't even talk about COVID-19 because we talk about that all the time. Let me go back to, I'm in Orlando, Florida, and a lot of the practices that I work with are right in central Florida. When the Pulse nightclub shooting happened, um, our offices were about, I don't know, half a block from where the, the nightclub was and maybe half a mile from the hospital where um, people were carried down. One of the first things from a marketing standpoint, when you get over the shock of what's going on in your community, one of the very first things that we needed to do was pull all of those marketing communication messages down because the very last thing you wanted 
is to be pushing um, like a Juvederm filler or Botox, you know, sale to somebody who is, you know, paying attention to the One Pulse Orlando newsfeed on their social media channels. And so you really just, as a business, you need to know when you've got what your what your messages are out there and when it's time to take those messages down. And when you automate things, it's very difficult to be really in the moment and sensitive to whatever it is that's happening. You know, when a tornado comes through and devastates a community, you don't want some random automated message showing up on somebody's social media feed. You just don't. And I think that social media has made it um, very difficult for those automated messages to be successful. And I'm not saying get rid of them because sometimes you just want to make sure you have something out there. But if you want to have any success at all, you really have to lean into being creative and building that authenticity and understanding that social media is a is a mechanism to provide you a voice to get a message out there. And so you have to treat it like that. Treat it just like you would television or something like that. And when you get out there, make sure you have something solid to say and you're trying to get something across and um, you don't have to just turn it on and walk away from it. You have to be in it to be successful. Yeah, that's a great example. And I appreciate you uh, you know, sharing something that was very um, obviously sad and devastating and, and unique to Orlando and, and some good ideas around how to not look um, insensitive in a situation when you totally are, you know, feeling for everyone that was involved in something like that, a tragedy. But then when someone logs into social media and scrolls through Facebook, they see like, that's weird. Like, why would you say that two days after? So today, uh, yeah, of all days, why would you say that? So just, you know, those are, those are some of the pitfalls that you can, that you can get into really easily if you if you just turn it on and walk away from it. Yep. And then just reputation takes a long time to develop and it can be very very short for it to go away and, and the brand equity that you built with someone can go away with one uh, mistimed post or something that that had the best of intentions if it came out at the wrong time. So really really good advice. Um so so many clinics and hospitals don't have, you know, a large marketing budget and they don't have, you know, like you talked about fancy video equipment and all these different things. But if you had to, to build from a modest or small budget, what's a big return on investment that, that they can do? And maybe we've already touched on it, but kind of two things that I would, that I would do. Well, there's three things. One is I would just make sure you have a really good website. I don't mean like a website that you're paying tens of thousands of dollars. I'm saying that you have a website that's got a good foundation. It's in WordPress or something like that. And that it's easy for you to make updates to, because if you want to show up on the front page of Google, you need to be able to make um, very regular um, updates to your website. You need to be putting out some really good content. Video can help you with putting out good content because you can go get a patient testimonial video on your phone, take that, run it through like a $10 transcription software and put that transcription plus the video on your website. Google will see that as new content and it will um, it'll pay dividends every day of the week and it really doesn't cost you anything to do it. You know, for less than the cost of a Starbucks coffee, you probably can have a video up on your website, but you can only do it if you start with a, with a decent website that allows you to build. The second area that I would focus on is getting as many reviews as you can. Positive, negative, they don't all need to be positive. You know, there are studies out there that show 
that five-star ratings don't necessarily bring in more revenue. You're better with like a 4-4 or a 4-6 rating because people will believe that you don't always have a perfect day every day of the week. But if you want to grow your practice, get more people to leave reviews about the service that they received, especially get them to do it on Google because Google loves itself. And so if you're putting out great content and you've got all these reviews that are on Google, it's just going to um, to increase kind of the juice that Google's going to give you and it's going to boost you up to the top. And so when somebody searches, you know, vet, Orlando, dog, best place to take my dog, your vet's going to pop up on the front page of Google because of those testimonials. Your Google My Business account, because it's got all those reviews, is going to be on the right. So they're going to see it in two places when they go to leave their reviews. And then kind of the third place that I would focus on is social media, but not being on it, just like coming up with a good content strategy and going for it, whether it's posting photos and, and putting a hashtag to it, whether it's running a contest, whether it's like a weekly little show that you put together or, you know, featuring some of your favorite patients or, you know, whatever it is, do it and be consistent and be willing to participate in discussions that are taking place. If you do that, if you do that for social, if you lean into the reviews and you make sure you have a foundational website, um, all of those can be done for pennies on the dollar. Not saying that time isn't money, but that's your time that you're putting into it, not your wallet. And you don't need to spend a lot of money on marketing to be successful. You just have to be engaged in the process. Yeah, great, great tips, great tools that were discussed. One that I like from a video transcription, like to put in captions in a video for someone is Rev. And I'll share that in the show links. It's been super helpful for me as I've created some video content to have that. Because um, a lot of people, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts, but I heard like 80% of Facebook videos are not watched with the sound on. So you, if you want them to know what you're saying, you need to have captions. Um, the second thing you talked about hashtags. I've seen um, competing arguments that hashtags are dead and hashtags are no good or hashtags are good. What's your thoughts on that? What have you seen? Is there any research or, or information that you found on how valuable hashtags are? My understanding is we don't use hashtags on Facebook. And let me let me reiterate this. I'm good. Like I know stuff, but I'm not the one in the trenches on my team doing it. So I don't want to give out the wrong info. But my understanding is we don't use hashtags on Facebook, but we still use hashtags on Instagram and LinkedIn is starting to push hashtags again. So it, I think it really depends on the platform that you're using to know what kind of um, cataloging mechanism that they've got to make it something that's findable in search. Perfect. Yeah. And and I'll go into this too. You, you mentioned Rev. We use Rev all the time. Rev's a fantastic tool. I think it's $2 a minute to transcribe something like that. Um, captions. Absolutely. I, I give, I have, um, I have an ear, nose, throat practice that I work with. And before we were doing captions a couple of years ago, like we had it in the, in the process of going back and adding captions to all the old videos, but we had a woman get on and say, I can't, she, she had a hearing problem. So she was hearing challenged, which it was an ear, nose, throat practice. We should have known this. She had a hearing challenge and she said, I can't believe you don't have captions. I can't hear this. So how am I supposed to know what it's about? And it was like a, a knock to the chest. Of course, like we should have known better. And we said, we're sorry. We're in the process of adding captions. Thank you for your feedback. A week later, we reloaded it. We made sure we saved her information. 
from the practice perspective, we said, Nancy, whatever her name was, we said, Nancy, we now have captions. This is because of you. We created a raving fan because of this. Fast forward to where you are now, ADA compliance requires that you have captions on your videos on your website. So you have to put these captions now. That's why services like Rev are great because they have freebies. Like um, you pay for it, so they're much higher quality. But on Facebook and on YouTube, they have free caption services for those videos. So just make sure you're doing that to stay ADA compliant. Yep. Great advice. And yeah, captions are, are big and, and something that you definitely want to have on there. Um, as we wind down, a question that I always ask, and I again, would love to, to hear your opinion on this, podcast is all around success. Um, how do you define it from a personal and professional standpoint? Again, you've had a lot of marketing experience over the course of, of time and have seen a lot. So what what do you think about success? I think personally, if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing every single day, then it's not successful for me. I have to be constantly challenged and I have to enjoy getting up and going to work or what's the point of doing this too much too much happens in all of our lives too many things like COVID-19 takes over and you know if you lose a loved one or you have to go through some level of illness um, you very quickly realize that going to work all those days when you didn't enjoy it wasn't worth it and so for me success is all about being able to enjoy this time that we're given and to feel like we're contributing in a way that gives us value back professionally I like to set goals and I like to knock those goals out of the park. So I'm all about looking at my metrics and making sure that I'm able to hit those metrics. But that goal setting and that goal achiever in me, the the ultimate level of success and the ultimate like feedback that you can get is when I receive a call from a potential client because another client has referred to me, referred me to them. When I get those referrals, I know that I've done my job and I've done it well. And the fact that I enjoy what I do shows in that job, shows in kind of the results that we're able to get. And so that recommendation and that referral, that to me, from a business standpoint, that's the definition of success. Sorry, I was on mute for a second. Um, finally, for those looking for more marketing insights and information and just kind of the content that you put out, because you do put out a lot of content, and I applaud you on that. Um, where would you direct them? Where would you send them? And how can they best connect with you? Yeah, totally. So you could always go to our website. It's insight, M as in marketing, G as in group.com. Hopefully you'll throw that in the show notes, make it really easy. And I would say if, if you got a podcast listener out there and you like podcasts, check ours out. We've done about 240 plus episodes on the Dr. Marketing Tips podcast. You can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcasting services are. And you can always hit me up on LinkedIn. It's Jennifer Thompson, Orlando. Put those two words together. You'll find me, hit me up, and I'm happy to help wherever I can. Absolutely. We'll link to a lot of the different things we talked about. And I appreciate your time and energy and sharing some tools, tactics, and thoughts to help someone grow and expand their marketing to be more successful in that. Um, yeah. Until next time. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's show. All comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should talk to your professional team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is the founder of ID Financial Planning and Wealth Management. Isaiah is a registered investment advisor in the state of Indiana. The biggest compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend. Reviews also are super helpful, and I found that most people listen on Apple Podcasts. 
And if you have three minutes, would love if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show as well. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you like more information and insights and have the ability to have your voice heard, interact with guests, share feedback to me, head over to the private Facebook group. You can search on Facebook for the Veterinary Success Podcast or go over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com, scroll to the bottom about your host, click on the Facebook icon, and you'll be welcomed right in. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.